In the digital reality, evolution over revolution prevails. The QA approaches and techniques that worked yesterday will fail you tomorrow. So free your mind. The automation cyborg has been sent back in time. TED Speaker Jonathan Wright's mission is to help you save the future from bad software. This podcast is brought to you by Eggplant. Eggplant helps businesses to test, monitor, and analyze their end-to-end customer experience and continuously improve their business outcomes. Alan, thank you so much for joining this podcast. We're really excited to have you on the show. Your, your, your current role as Head of Quality Engineering, which fits perfectly with the theme of leadership as well as quality assurance. You know, for those out there, uh, the listeners out there, could you just give a little bit of a brief intro of what you've been doing and, and what, what you're working on at the moment? Yeah, sure. Thanks for the invite. Uh, happy to uh, contribute to, to this uh, wonderful idea. Um, maybe I can go a bit back in the past and quickly just uh, go through my uh, history as, a, as an engineer. Uh, so I started uh, my my career uh, almost twelve years twelve years ago. I was uh, uh, really coincidentally uh, bumped into a person in my hometown who wanted to uh, build a small team in a small company, in a, an international company, but in a new town, who actually wanted to bring uh, a new discipline into software development at that time. Uh, it was not quite new, uh, but uh, it was new in a, in a way that software development went through in the agile uh, uh, disruption. So uh, basically the company was all about software testing and how we can bring software testing to uh, different organizations in a way that it, it is more around uh, automation rather than um, yeah, manual testing. So that was my first touch with uh, software industry where I started learning about <clears throat> basically how to uh, sell software testing to organizations and um, all the time uh, uh, this, like at the same time uh, learning about it and going to potential clients so basically it was a consultant role and that was perfect uh, start because I didn't know much about it uh, and I had very good uh, uh, mentors uh, with a very long uh, experience in the industry. And I had very good colleagues as well. So we were basically in a very nice journey without so much stress on uh, development or deliveries, but just about learning uh, about the, 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 where the software testing is and what is it about. And this took me uh, almost two years. Uh, I worked in a various different organizations, starting from uh, traditional banks, uh, insurance companies, investment companies, um, and some also some health uh, organizations where we were basically establishing the automation as a process for uh, in-software testing and the whole development. But at that time, it was still uh, using a very traditional way to develop software. Um, what does it mean traditional? It means uh, they were still using uh, tools such as IBM or HP to uh, develop, pack, package, and deliver software to uh, different places in, the, in a very different systems. Yeah. 
Um, and that was very nice, uh, but then the, the, the life uh, uh, took me into a totally different direction where I got some uh, offer from a small startup in Berlin. And it was totally something different, uh, and I accepted the challenge. So it was uh, a startup which was developing uh, um, some um, uh, tools for uh, game publishers. So basically it was ad monetization and developing SDK libraries or different uh, ways to monetize uh, their uh, games, so it was freemium and premium games, and basically my work was pure QA and testing in different ways on using uh, various uh, uh, approaches and different type of testing. So basically, I started learning at that time uh, how to uh, work in a pure agile environment, how to test the software that is being deployed. Uh, every day to the production, uh, how to test mobile. So it was the beginning, basically, of mobile apps. So it was 2009 and 10, And that was something uh, which, uh, which started uh, uh, my different journey in, uh, in software development. Uh, so this took around four years where I worked in this company, and I really grew both uh, technically because I was really involved into automation and, uh, and development in general. And um, after that, uh, I got an interesting offer from my current company, N26, to actually join a very small startup at that time, was more than four years ago, uh, to build the whole QA processes and the team. So it was a very small company at the time. It was around... Uh, 15 engineers in total, mainly backend, three mobile engineers and uh, two web engineers and one QA engineer at the time was more like analyst rather than engineer. Uh, so we didn't have any, any processes, anything. Uh, it was pretty much ad hoc testing. Uh, it was very small and just trying to justify the idea of digital banking. And that's where my leadership journey started. Uh, I didn't have um, so much experience. Like when I moved to N26, I was uh, having uh, two people that I kind of led. Not, I, I was not the manager, but I was more like a mentor. Um, and I was working in a pure mobile development team. Uh, and then I joined a complete development company with three cross-functional teams and having a lot of responsibilities in, in quality. Um, and basically at the same time, I was learning around leadership and about leadership, and I was at the same time applying the, that knowledge that I was getting. So it was not like uh, really by the book. <laughs> uh, very practical approach and uh, a lot of mistakes, of course. Um, but uh, a lot of uh, space and support on how to get things right and how to build successful uh, uh, development teams. Uh, so this is like in, in a very short nutshell where I spent my last almost 12 years. And today uh, I work as head of quality engineering. Uh, I can also talk later what does it mean. Uh, but in, in general, I am uh, responsible for a quality engineering function, 
in a company which has uh, around 500 people, engineers and other roles working in four different locations worldwide uh, with uh, more than 40 different teams uh, responsible for uh, quality domain uh, and uh, basically helping and working together with all engineering teams to follow good practices in uh, in quality engineering and supporting them particularly in testing, in delivery, in um, making sure that the highest quality of software is built for our customers. So that's like in a nutshell. Um, we can, of course, talk more in details. No, that sounds fantastic. And, you know, I think the listeners would really benefit from, you said you kind of was learning the leadership skills. You know, what it does leadership look like in this kind of modern scaled agile kind of view of lots of teams lots of deliverables you know how did you you know how did you find that transition to such a large scale so i must say that uh, i was not super comfortable at the beginning because it was a lot of unknowns uh, i had my guides and mentors from my past like i mentioned that when i started my software testing journey um I had my mentors, so I was always going back and asking for support. I also had my mentors from my previous job at the time. Uh, and also I was collecting and observing during all my, uh, all my, uh, experience, uh, what were the things that I would always need in my further, uh, journeys. Uh, so when we talk about leadership, I am in favor of lead by example. Uh, so if I would need to lead people or manage processes, uh, I would need to not be the smartest person there because that's not the point, but be the person who can advise, who can uh, show in practice how things work and what are the good or bad things that we can follow or we shouldn't follow. Um, so this was my sort of uh, way to start with it and I was absolutely not sure if this was the, the right one uh, but that's how I approached it. Uh, the other thing that helped me um, one of the um, let's say people from community that influenced a lot how how I approached uh, leadership is uh, Gerald Weinberg um, I'm sure many of the people from community know about him and uh, several of his books and blogs that I read, uh, such as General System Thinking um, and, and, and the others, helped me to, uh, to understand how leadership applies in software development, particularly in software testing, and uh, how can I uh, support my teams and people in, in that way. Um, it was always helpful to be honest, even when you don't have the good advice or decision to, to make and ask for help. Uh, that's also what leadership is and what I think it is. Um, it's also good to uh, admit that you make mistakes and that's also helping people to uh, build a trust between uh you as a leader and them as people who are working with you. So those are the, I would say, the main things that helped me to um, 
to start my journey in leadership. Uh, of course, there are always unpredicted uh, events that happen. Uh, like my, my organization is uh, very demanding. So we always have a lot of things that are happening. So uh, every day you learn something new that you need some time to spend uh, acknowledging it and uh, uh, reflecting how does this event affect you as, a, as an engineer first and as a leader and then as a person as well on top of everything. And then uh, once you understand that, that you apply this uh, further. These are some things that, that helped me a lot. Uh, in a nutshell, it's leading by example. Uh, so working together with people, not being on, on some level that they look at you as someone who is just telling how and what to do, but also um, putting your, your hands dirty sometimes and actually do the uh, actual work as well. And yeah. I, I guess, you know, when you talk about, um, you know, dealing with complex problems and problem solving, um, and I guess this kind of leads into kind of building a global platform. You know, that must have been a technical challenge as well, as far as understanding architectures, understanding, you know, what you're going to, um, what testing practices to, to establish. You know, how, how did you, attack, you uh, attack that for such a large customer base and, you know, and build those capabilities? Yeah, so that's that's very interesting challenge. And uh, uh, this is uh, one of the talks I'm giving uh, since uh, since early this year in a, in a international conferences. Um, so I can give a bit of a background of uh, my organization currently. So I mentioned already that there is a, a it, it's a lot of uh, people working in, uh, in 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 tech organization which I'm part of as well. Uh, so uh, when we started, it was uh, a clear idea what we wanted to do. We wanted to um, to disrupt the the way the, the the banking is done today and how people uh, perform their uh, how they live their financial life. Uh, and that was always that is even today uh, the main goal. Uh, but that at some point when when we started launching products in uh, in in Europe. First, then we saw that the <clears throat> the the potential to 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 do this is much bigger than just Europe. So then we started exploring the how we can actually build a global uh, platform to support global bank, and that was pretty much the whole last year uh, where I was very deeply involved into both like overall engineering um, side, but also the quality and testing side. So what is different? <clears throat> so you're building a platform which uh, provides or serves your, the product to, uh, to customers. And uh, sometimes it's important to understand what, uh, what is the um, what, um, number of customers you have. Is it thousands, is it millions? Uh, sometimes it's also important to understand who are your customers as well. Uh, for us, uh, from the technical point of view, uh, it was not only about how many customers we have, even though it is because with the with the with the amount of the customers, uh, things are changing in the background. Uh, but more than that, <clears throat> uh, 
as as the the the, the product is the banking product, which means that it uh, needs to comply to certain regulations and the laws. The the complexity of the global platform is higher. Why? Because uh, you cannot serve your platform uh, from the same place uh, technically. So you need to uh, first differentiate be- between user data, differentiate between uh, the databases, differentiate between the accounts, etc. Uh, so you need to uh, have this all in mind when designing. And uh, again, when it comes to testing, it's getting even more complex because um, you have, for instance, <clears throat> you have the account for, for customers which uh, serves uh, one type of product and has one currency. But then you have uh, customers from completely different country which is using, which is serving different products and it's having completely different currency. And on top of everything, is uh, it needs to comply with different regulations. Uh, so this creates a lot of complexity. And uh, what kind of complexity? So uh, in my talk, I'm uh, I'm I'm presenting uh, the concept of um, global and local services. So global service is serving the unique product for customers around the globe while having totally different uh, deployment types. While local service is serving local products for customers in in different countries. Uh, so this means that uh, you have uh, one service which is deployed in several uh, branches uh, in different times and having totally different tests. Uh, but then it has the same version at any point of time. It's just going to different databases, writing different data sets, and it needs to have a different test suite. Um, and it's using the same platform to be deployed. So this is like huge complexity uh, that needed to revamp how we deal with uh, with tests, with executions, with uh, pipelines, uh, with, um, with problems, with issues. So if one pipeline fails, how do we uh, fix it? How do we redeploy? Do we deploy all the, all the pipelines, etc.? And then how do we deal with test data? Uh, do we only test uh, one user or do we do the matrix of different users? So all of this uh, needed to be uh, reconsidered when we started doing the global platform. Um, of course, uh, this is not what one person can sit down and and just write uh, how we should do things. It's like collaborative approach of many, many smart people in the company, which uh, designed and uh, tested a lot of different approaches, how we can uh, make this happen, uh, which resulted basically in uh, launching uh, the global platform um, in the U.S. Uh, mid last year, uh, which... Uh, which brought us to basically to the new market last year. And, and so you talk about um, region agnostic ecosystems. It's the first time I've ever heard of this term. What does it actually mean? Does that mean a bit like what you say, the technology is decoupled enough to be agnostic to the different currencies and, and you know, more sophisticated, like open banking kind of legislations or compliance rules? What does it kind of... What does that mean? 
So that means that uh, that there is a service uh, which uh, which is uh, providing other services, like one service which talks to downstream services, which provides uh, a currency information for for uh, different uh, services. For instance, one service is responsible to for us for a certain user to provide dedicated currency, which is either euro or is a dollar. Um, and then the downstream service, depending on the user type, can then move forward. When I say uh, region agnostic, I mean that uh, we are running um, on the cloud. So uh, it means that uh, we have a centralized pipeline, which is deploying services to different regions in the cloud. Uh, and this is... Um, serving both the platform itself, but also compliance, because once you come to the, uh, to the auditing of your artifacts or your process, uh, you need to be able to extract the information only from one place. So only from one pipeline or only from one um, process where you actually deploy software. So for instance, the regulations in Europe are different than regulations in US, not like drastically different, but uh, there are very, some different aspects and you need to be able to differentiate between them and provide uh, each of them the same set of reports, for instance. Uh, so this is what I mean region agnostic because in the background, things are going from the centralized place, while when it comes to the end, uh, everything is in a different places. Uh, this is what I meant by region agnostic. And if you multiply this by um, not only two regions, then y y you see that you have a platform which is very complex from one side, but then very, very decentralized in, in the end of it. That just it sounds incredibly complex to manage. Um, so I, I, I know part of your talk, you talk about over the five years, how they've taken on 5 million customers, you know, ensuring the kind of overall quality of the end user. So that must require, I guess, site reliability engineering, something that's, you know, important to you guys, a lot of operations side of things from, from APMs. You know, how, how much focus is on the operational excellence? Uh, so uh, one part is the operational excellence. Uh, so um, there is, of course, the site reliability and the operations. And uh, I, I prefer the term DevSecOps because it's... And then some people are saying DevSec, quality test, product, whatever, ops. Uh, of course, every function has operational part. And um, in the in the site reliability context, uh, things are or shouldn't be different than in other software development. Why? Because uh, in 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 modern um, dev operations, you are also dealing with and managing infrastructure as code. So basically, everything that you do with your infrastructure is in code and it should be treated the same way as any other software, meaning it should have continuous deployment, it should have all the testing phases, it should have the monitoring rollbacks uh, and all the, um, the parts that are 
also applying to other product development parts. On the other side, uh, the quality aspect, uh, this is something which also took a lot of, of uh, our and my time to address how we can uh, make this and streamline this, this process. And one of the, one of the um, initiatives and one of the uh, journeys that we had in, in the past few years, it was to uh, move away from quality assurance and this is where we come to quality engineering and, and my role, which is um, move away from assurance, um, build a lightweight testing phase and move things more into the planning and uh, implementation phase. What does it mean in practice? In practice, it means that uh, in the quality assurance concept, you would have dedicated people who are specialists and they would own this process, meaning that, yes, we are in agile world, but we still have dedicated roles who are responsible for uh, very special uh, work tasks. In the quality engineering model, uh, the responsibility of certain tasks like uh, testing or test automation is distributed to various different roles depending on their skill set. So you can have, um, uh, for instance, if you have a cross-functional team, which is building product for, uh, for X amount of customers, uh, you can have roles such as backend engineer who is responsible to build, um, like microservice or APIs or streams or whatever, but they are also responsible to build the full testing concept for it. Uh, or if we have a front-end engineer who is responsible to build a web interface, which will consume the microservice, then they're also responsible for uh, the testing concept and the delivery from one end to one end. Then what is left for uh, specialists in the testing domain, of course, to help that the team is capable of doing all these things and to identify what exactly needs to be done in order to certain uh, component or uh, software, um, uh, like just a, a, a concept or, or, or work to be delivered from one end to another and to make sure that everyone in the team is uh, comfortable doing this. Uh, so this is more of an engineering work. Why? Because you move a lot of things. It's, it, it is somehow popular left, uh, moving uh, things to left, uh, because you explore and uh, um, put a lot of focus into the planning phase where you identify all the necessary work to be done and try to uh, use all the engineering capacity to build this in the initial phase. Uh, and then when it comes to the further uh, testing or delivering or deployment, then you are just verifying what you actually did. Uh, so this is something that uh, we used a lot in order to uh, build a product for 5 million customers uh, because uh, this evolved into a more efficient continuous deployment and continuous integration and automation which enabled us to iterate faster and build and release more products into in, in, in less time, basically. So, for instance, one example is that uh, when we started, let's say, 
uh, not last year, but uh, two years ago, our uh, release cadence on the mobile apps was, let's say, four to six weeks. And this was too too, too long for us uh, because we needed we, we were releasing new products every five or six weeks. Um, end of last year, we decreased this to three weeks. And those practices basically enable us to uh, shorten this period of time. Also, on the other side, um, uh, we, we were deploying our microservices maybe, let's say, uh, once every few days, each microservice get deployed to live. And today we have uh, each microservice on average is one and a half time uh, deployed uh, per day. Uh, so these are the practices that evolve the overall process and um, first make people more comfortable because they know that the process and the the each part of the process it has a separate responsibility and they can be comfortable to deploy or release um, smaller or bigger change to to production whenever there is a need for it because the, there is a process which is controlling this uh, on on completely other side the teams were more comfortable and capable of doing various different uh, work uh, because they have specialists which are helping them to uh, do this kind of work. So these are the uh, aspects uh, and, uh, let's say, foundations which helped us to build such product for uh, 5 million customers over five years. That is uh, seriously impressive. So for people out there who are listening, do you have any kind of suggestions of resources or books? I know you mentioned Jeff, but is there any other kind of go-to materials you'd say to try and achieve that kind of continuous delivery capability? Uh, So, well, there is a bunch of uh, materials. There there are books. Uh, Usually I try to... Um, be active in community. Uh, there is, a, for instance, a testers IO community where pretty much all the people, like all people who are active in community, but also there is a lot, a lot more uh, people from the industry who are uh, there and who can provide a lot of interesting um, um, innovations or um, any kind of advice or learnings. So this is something uh, which I'm following. Uh, Ministry of Test is uh, probably my favorite uh, uh, forum where I like to go and learn what's going on. Their conferences are really, really good. So I'm uh, often uh, in touch with people uh, who are either visiting or organizing Ministry of Tests. Um, and then, of course, Twitter community is super strong and there are people who, who really are active and can provide uh, a lot of uh, interesting uh, observation, facts, learnings, uh, new things, etc. So these are my way to, to, to stay in touch with what's going on outside while still being busy in, 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 in my current uh, organization. Um, and... Uh, yeah, following following those people is something I would recommend. 
So for listeners who'd like to kind of get in touch with you and maybe pick your brain, um, what's the best way to kind of get in touch with you and, and, you know, subscribe any kind of blogs that you're doing or the best way to contact you on LinkedIn or. Yeah. So I I have my blog, which is uh, not super active now. I have plans to to go back and and, uh, write more about uh, my experience. Uh, It's called tester in space. Um, uh, I'm on Twitter as well. Uh, it's my first name, last name. Um, people can follow. And also I'm in Testers.io Slack channel, uh, which I mentioned now. It has around more than, uh, I think its limit is 10,000 uh, on free tier. There's like 10,000 uh, testers and uh, other different people from community who are collaborating uh, on daily basis on various different topics. So I'm also active over there. On the leadership side, uh, I'm also in a leadership Slack channel, which is run running by Rands. Uh, he's also very popular in uh, developer community, uh, where there is a lot of various different topics that can be discussed, and I'm uh, quite often uh, taking part over there as well. Of course, uh, conferences, now it's a bit tricky uh, to visit them, but uh, I, I'm at least a few times a year, um, speaking at uh, conferences such as Agile Testing Days um, or uh, smaller events uh, worldwide, uh, both on testing specific topics, but also on the leadership as well. Thanks so much, Milan. We're going to make sure we we add those links in, especially to the Slack channels, because you know it's great that people can reach out and maybe pick your brain and around the, where, how far really you've come. It's, it's an amazing accomplishment that you've, you've managed to grow to that kind of size and complexity. So I'm sure people will have a, a lot of the listeners will have a lot of questions. So thanks once again. And yeah, um, we'll make sure that we, we follow up and maybe we can get you to do a blog. Of course, uh, looking forward to it. I will try to, uh, park more free time, uh, to do that because I really like to share experience and writing is uh, probably the most effective way. To-